talk to me about athletic greens. I don't know. It's been about two weeks since I've had any because <gasps> my You've husband took the last scoops. Uh oh. And that's... I've been feeling low and less digestive. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I was going to say that I feel I have, I was not home for the past two days and I have felt less energy, less healthy, just less good, which is not a, I don't know how else to explain it. Like I take it and I just feel like, oh, I've done something very, very good for myself. And I think a green juice like that, that's actually a real green juice with real nutrients mm -hmm. helps all the systems. It does. It helps. It supports, I mean, what they say, and I do agree with this, it supports better sleep quality, recovery, mental clarity, alertness. It, you know, it helps you and digestion, I think is a big one. And energy. I notice an energy I think boost. energy yeah. is the most. Energy and just it. feeling... Gener like I can't put it on one little pad or the other, but generally feeling good. Yep. Generally feeling good. I completely agree. It has big benefits. For anyone listening who has not, you guys have heard Joe and Oliver talk about Athletic Greens for years at this point, and that's because they actually use it. I actually use it. My sister actually uses it. And now her husband actually uses it. Used. <laughs> All right. We'll get you some more. We'll get you some more. Um, so right now, if you haven't used it, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season, which we are now. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash daddyissues. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash daddyissues to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Cavalry Audio. All right. Hi, Daddy Issues listeners. Um, welcome back to another rewatch, which I know everyone is probably disappointed about because we've had lots of comments about missing Joe and Oliver, which so do I. Um, they are going to come back. I saw a lovely comment on Apple Podcast Reviews. Somebody said, um, uh, I guess you think you're too good to do this podcast anymore. I'm unsubscribing, which... That is not the reason that they're not doing it. They, uh, you know, they needed a little break. It's summertime. They're both busy. Families, life. It's understandable, um, I think. So, but they will be back um, until they are back. I am back again with my lovely sister. They can't see you. Oh, why not? Well, <laughs> I mean, I can see you and, and we are on Zoom sitting across from each other. I'd prefer it that they can't. But they, like, I'm not going to put this on social media. Beautiful. Like, I'll put a clip on social media. Got it. But this is just going to be in the audio. Hi. Hi. So anyways, we are, we're going to do another little rewatch today just uh, to keep things interesting until the guys come back, which, like I said... 
They will be. I promise. I'm not crying wolf. They're really coming back. Um, and we're going to do, so I've done a rewatch, rewatch with Josh, um, done one with Jenna, and we've always done two. two. Oh, yeah, we've done two. Mm-hmm. And we've always done episodes where it's just Joe and Oliver because those are some of my favorites. But we thought maybe we'd switch it up today and do um, an episode with a guest. So we're going to do the McConaughey episode. And that one of the greatest parts of this episode, aside from Matthew McConaughey himself, is um, is how the episode starts compared to how it ends. Um, and when was the episode from? The original. It was uh, over a year ago. Okay. I want to say I was still living in Atlanta when we did this. So it's got to be last summer sometime, I think. Although I'm wearing a sweatshirt. We're all wearing, I'm wearing, me and Josh wearing sweatshirts. So maybe not, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to look that up. But it's from, it's from a little bit ago. It's from over a year ago. And this was a very, I'm going to preface this for Josh and the listeners. This was a pretty long um, episode. And so for, for everyone's sake, we're going to skip through some of it. And and just kind of highlight reel it a little bit. My sister is sitting here ready with no, a notepad. She's taking notes on the episode. Very efficient. <laughs> oh, she just showed me. <laughs> she just showed me the the notepad. She's actually just doodling right now. But that's probably just because I'm talking. <laughs> so we're just gonna start. This is um, Matthew McConaughey episode from over a year ago, I believe, and it starts off a little bit brutal. So. Brace yourselves. You've never heard this, right? No. No. Okay. Let me know. It's God eleven forty six. It's nine forty six. Just let me know how long it takes you to calm down, and then we'll start. Well, that? let's fucking start. No. Jesus Christ. So let me. I'll, I'll, I'll start by saying this. It was supposed to be nine forty. You said nine thirty. I said okay. I've been on the fucking phone. I'm trying to pitch shit. I'm trying to get it done. I've got executives talking. Okay. Couldn't get off the phone. Realistically, I'm, what, three and a half minutes late because I got it at 9.43 and a half the first time. So just fuck <laughs> off. I mean, Jesus Christ. You feel better? What's the big fucking deal? God damn, know. dude. And on top of it, I'm not in the fucking mood. I'm not in the state of mind right now to even deal with your bullshit. Really? <laughs> God. <laughs> Joe. Serious, dude. I know it's funny. It's just it's ah, funny. It I can't take it. Up. I know you can't, and that's the best part of it all. Jesus Christ. It's, it's just I, I knew it was coming too. I was anticipating it. Well that's the you, other thing. You forged. I was anticipating reality. your snarky <laughs> bullshit. That's exactly what self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. He like knew he knew that he was he gonna worked get himself up. Yep. Exactly. You forged oh. your own reality, didn't you? You already no, had is, your this mind is part made of who, This is part of who you are, dude. It just is. And it's okay. part of what I love because it makes me laugh. But when I'm on the receiving end of it, fuck you. Jesus it's part of who you Christ. are, too. I just texted you. Yeah, so let's you. just accept said, each I can't other. get on at 930. Let's accept each other. I thought I could. I thought I could. Okay. But I was on a fucking pitch. Well, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if you're taking a dump. I don't know if you're fucking eating <laughs> mueslicks. I don't know if you're painting your car or pulling your fucking trailer. I have no idea what you're doing. How do I know you're pitching shit? 
How's that possible? Do I, should I? Do you want to link? Do you want to sync calendars so we just know everything that we're both yeah, doing? We should because, <laughs> but that's that's my point. I don't know what you're doing. How do I fucking know? I'm just sitting here waiting. So that's all. And I can I I if you're going to be late, I have every ability and and ration. There's a rationale to say, hey, are we starting at nine thirty? Are we starting at nine forty five? Well, right. it was supposed to be nine forty. You said nine thirty, and then I texted you. I need some. I need a couple more minutes. I'm in the middle of something, and then the minute I get off, I literally on this pitch meeting, I was like, "Hey, you guys, I'm sorry. I've got Matthew McConaughey coming on on a podcast. I have to go." Well, I'm sorry. I yeah. Know and then they're that. like, "Okay, no, I don't know any of that." So you got it. You can. You got to cut me a break. Don't. I, of course you don't. I can't say, hey, guys, can you pause the pitch meeting? I got to call Buck to tell him, like, exactly what's happening right now. I mean, so, so when you're talking to these guys, your fingers can't uh, work. You just text me and go, hey, I'm on a pitch in. meeting. I'm a little bit late. No, because what happens so is when I go to text, when I go to text, when I go to text, my face goes off the Zoom. So I'm That's trying to bullshit everyone and being like, hey, yeah, come by the dad fucking show or whatever the fuck I'm doing. And then I switch <clears> up to go text you. And all of a sudden I disappear. And, and they're like, oh, where did Oliver go? I'm going to send you a burner phone. <laughs> Just for oh, four days. Not only that, my fucking adrenals are wide open. Now I'm just... Oh, are you sweating? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Lift your arm. Have I made you sweat? No. <laughs> you made me crazy. Oh, my God. All right. Did you ever have a sh- shirt when you were little that, that <sighs> from Jamaica that said Jamaican me crazy? <laughs> <laughs> No, but I did have a shirt when I was single, and this is so bad, but I had a shirt, a vintage shirt that I got. That was an old-school sort of um, touristy shirt from the Bahamas, and it says, Try a Virgin, and then underneath, in really small print, it says, Islands. So I would, I would wear that out to, like, proud the clubs. You had I would to wear it out to the clubs. I would literally wear it to the clubs like a fucking moron, and, and it, I don't know, it seemed to work. I wore that shirt and Egyptian musk oil. That was my go-to. And you know what? You know what's unbelievable? Because what? I go the extra mile. I bought McConaughey's book. Huh. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I like how Oliver's like, mm. I didn't. <laughs> See how quickly they kind of recover, though. Like, well, they're men, guys. Yeah, yeah. they are men and guys. Yeah, I mean, like, re- like he was mad. I've never seen Oliver that mad. And then he just, you know, they bring it. Back together, I guess they kind of have to. Well, that's what I was going to say, too. There are guys which I think they can recover emotionally a bit easier, seamlessly, but also they have a purpose here. Right. That's true. That's true. All right. He had, when he was young, his mom was selling some sort of oil for his face, for, Mm -hmm. for anybody's face. But he was 12, I think, going through puberty. Yeah, and it fell on. And it fucked him up. And it fucked him up to the yeah, point where yeah. they saw a lawyer. They were going to sue the yeah. company. No, I know. I know. The lawyer on the other side <laughs> wow. went back to his senior year. You know, whenever this lawsuit came to pass, it's years later. And he's like, yeah, I really had a rough time in high school because of your oil. I was all broken out. I was only and they go back in his high school yearbook. And he's like, best looking kid in the class of 1980. <laughs> and it ruined the whole thing, which like puts his dad off. I know. This book, so I, I really think. It's, it's really great. It's, it's really great. great. It's, it's yeah. exactly how I wanted to write my book. And I think I, I wrote it in a way that makes it at least 
conversational. It's it's not mm-hmm. like reading Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Repair, where you maintenance or whatever it is, where you can't mm-hmm. get through a page without rereading it. This book is is a gift to the world, and I'm I'm, I'm excited to talk to Matthew. I, you and I have never talked about McConaughey, who I know through the golf world and through a member guest, and I met through your sister. I don't know him well, but I spent a lot of time with him for about four or five days. But I don't know your relationship with him, considering mm-hmm. all the time he has spent oh, yeah. on and off screen with your sister. That's yeah. Funny. No, I don't, I don't. Honestly, I don't have much of one. You know, I mean, I would see him now and again. And if I saw him, it's a high five and sort of a hug. But I, I never really got to know him. But I, I, uh, I definitely admire the guy. You know, he's just got this attitude that I wish that I had. That if I did have, I probably wouldn't be all fucking weird <laughs> and, and anxiety ridden. But he just has this sort of look at life that is so refreshing to me. And it. Do you think that's real? I was just thinking, um, perhaps, and also, maybe that's what he allows the world to see. Who knows? Like people always say, you don't know what happens behind closed doors. I'm not saying he's not generally chill and laid back and relaxed and also yeah i mean he's still human right and he's and he's a personality i mean like like i do think i don't know because i don't know many famous people i don't know any famous people like i know joe and oliver and so like i think that oliver is actually who he is whether he's on this podcast whether i'm on the phone with him whether he's on Oprah. Right. He's a range of moods and, and range of moods, but he's always very authentically himself. And Joe, from what I've seen as well, I, I guess I've probably seen Joe. I've seen him interview more people, but no, I saw him the other night. He was on Kimmel or yeah. Remember I put on the YouTube channel. Yeah, that's right. Oh, gosh, that's so true. The other night I was at my sister's house and I realized that I had never spent any time on YouTube watching Joe or Oliver on like interviews on, you know, they've both been on tons of talk shows and and done different talk shows. I feel like there's another appearances, thing. appearances whatever. Exactly. You've never like gone to YouTube and typed in no Oliver Hudson, no or Joe Buck. I haven't, and and so to see them from years before I knew them, or even throughout this relationship with both of them, it was so interesting and really cool. Like, it was really cool to see that. And I do really believe, because I've spent time with both of them, not when they're not, not like, on, like, on screen, on the podcast, you know, just just regular life. And they are both exactly who they are on the podcast, on those appearances and meet and uh, interviews, which is refreshing. So I wonder if, like, if you hang out with Matthew McConaughey, I've seen him in interviews and stuff, is he the same guy? I'm sure. Well, I have no idea, but my guess is, in general, that's his general. That's his general demeanor, and also, I imagine he has a range of moods, kind of like um, Oliver here. He knew he was on the podcast, and it could be put out there, right? Yeah. But that speaks to what you said. He is quite authentic. Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. he's so consistent. He's consistently his own guy. Like, it, and it's mm-hmm. not. He's not. That's the beauty of this book, and and I really don't want to use our pre-time talking about the book that we're going to talk to him no. about. No, but, but I love the way he went about writing 
the book. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the process of it and him sort of locking himself up, you know, and, and in a cabin or some shit and just saying, all right, here's all my information. Here are my journals and here are my thoughts swirling in my head. Let's take some time from the family and just, you know, vomit and just get it, get it out. It's when I was reading this and I was, see, I never did journal when I was a kid, but I know that you've written notebooks, as you said, a few shows ago that you found during quarantine. And to me, I feel like as your friend or former friend, considering how this podcast began, (laughs) you could get great value if for nothing else, not financial, not Mm -hmm. critical acclaim, but just for your own mind of actually piecing a lot of that together. Because I do think you think about this stuff a lot more than the average person, Mm -hmm. certainly the average 44-year-old male, I would I would throw out there. And I think you could get great benefit from actually piecing something like this together and, and just putting something out that is, this is Oliver Hudson. Like you need to have your voice. That was the best thing that came about it for me is it was, you think, you know, me, but you have no idea. Here's what I've been through. Here's who I am. Here's who I try to be. Here's who I respect. Here's who I don't. And Mm -hmm. And here are the reasons why. And I I really think you could put together a book like this that is very similar yeah. in, in that you, you would have the same process. It would be a different yeah. book, but I think you get a lot out of it. Well, I've never read Joe's book either. Shit, I'm going to order it. I guess does, I Oliver probably... ha- does Oliver have a book? He does not. But apparently he has journaled in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, yeah, getting here's you getting to know me. But also, I think the process of journaling is me getting to know me or me making connections to things. Totally. Yeah. I wish I journaled more. Do you? I do. Not every day. I'm not like a dear diary. January 20th, <laughs> January 21st, January 22nd. But um, I do semi-consistently. So I know when I I just get a feeling like I need to do it. And I recently just started journaling um, on the computer because it's so much easier for me to type. Oh, that's interesting. I used to journal a lot. I have all of my old journals. I just don't now. Maybe I drink too much to journal. Well, I was no, thinking because I drink a lot <laughs> <laughs> and I journal. I always think of journaling as like a nighttime thing, though. So maybe it needs well, to be a morning thing with coffee. Well, morning pages you've heard of, like you write. Uh, Four six pages right when you wake up, just a brain dump. Oh yeah, that. But also, I don't like all those rules. I just do it when I feel like doing it. Yeah, that seems yeah. like that seems fair. I should start doing that. I think Oliver's would be interesting, and I and I'm gonna read Joe's. I can't believe I haven't. I've heard him talk about it. I can't believe I haven't. Do you know the name of his book? Lucky bastard. I'm a lucky bastard. Yeah, that's cool. I'm gonna order it. What does his shirt say? Busy wood. I don't know. Actually, Oliver's very matchy matchy. It's not a weird outfit for him today. Usually he has weird outfits. Oliver. Weird for you or weird for him? Like, doesn't he often wear like tie dye? Yes. I mean, like, usually he has very bright, flashy, interesting, like hammer pants with flamingos on them and, uh, you know, a tie dyed sweatshirt. This is looking very muted. Well, maybe it's matching his mood. Oh, (laughs) oh, good point, 
matching his mood. God, if we titled these, that would be a great title, Matching My Mood. Maybe also because they're interviewing McConaughey, he wanted to look more put together. Yeah. Although I feel like that's not. I feel like with the one guest, McConaughey, that he could do. Yeah, I feel like he wouldn't. He wouldn't do that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, I'm, I want to skip ahead a little bit to McConaughey. Go from there. Matthew's on. Hi, Matthew. <laughs> Joe Buck and Oliver, what's happening? What's up, baby? We're supposed to remind you to uh, record. I can do that. I have this ability. Let me turn off a few of my incoming message sounds. Yeah, yes, I do the same thing. Yeah, he's Learn so professional, that. like, turn off my incoming message sound. I don't know how stuff. we got so lucky to – I didn't call on any of our past dalliances to get you on this podcast. Oliver didn't call on uh, your past starring roles across from his sister to get you on this. And yet, <laughs> here you are, the most popular man walking the planet, whose book I bought yesterday, and I ripped through easily half of it last night while watching my blues lose to the Colorado Avalanche. And I am, this book is a, and this really isn't, this isn't a podcast about your book, but it, it can be. This book is a gift. This book is hitting uh, the shelves at the right time in this country for the right reasons. You are speaking to my soul. And wow. I, there, there is nothing in this that I go, ooh, it, it, we're all, everybody's in the ooh moment in our time. And, and this book is like, hey, here I am, man. Judge me how you want. This is how I grew up. Here's what I've done. Congratulations. It, it must feel like, I, 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 well, I'll ask you, what does it feel like to put this out <laughs> I was and say, say, here's who I am <laughs> for the record? Because this is, this is awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Howdy, Aller. Um, yeah, so, look, one, working up the courage to go write it. One, working up the courage to go look at the last 50 years of my life and journals I've been keeping for 36 of those years and say, hey, let it tell you what, 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 what let the book be what your past has told you it's about. To share that, um, it's about, a lot about freedom for me. I'm always trying to close that gap between, you know, we, we all got a gap between who we are. And mm-hmm. who, who, who we really are, what we really act like, and, and, and what people are receiving. I was like, man, I want to close that, close that gap. I, it becomes a little extra work having to put on new hats. You know what I mean? For like, oh, well, this is who I am, but this is who I want to come across as, or, or, or you know, this is how I'm received. I want to close that gap. And if it was going to be worth sharing, if people, was gonna, if people were, then, then share it in a book. My, my original goal was this. I knew there would be people, even if the, even if the words on the page in this book sucked there were going to be people that are going to buy this book anyway because hey i'm matthew mcconaughey now i knew there were going to be people out there where even if the words you were great we're never going to buy the book because hey it's by matthew mcconaughey so i said look i like that 
I mean, uh, he's honest. He's that's insightful. Super true and super honest. And I think you very you too rarely or I too rarely hear people everybody's like downplays their fame or celebrityness in some ways. Like to be like, yeah, I'm fucking famous and I wrote this book and that's why somebody's buying it, not because I'm a great writer or maybe he is, I don't know. Or not because they know anything about what this book is actually about, but my face is on the cover and they say, ooh, that guy, I know that guy, I like that guy. Yeah, totally. I I have to tell you, for some reason, like his mannerisms and it's because I've, when we did this, I hadn't seen Michael, um, Jenna's husband in a while. Like we, you know, I saw him, what, once a year. And now I've spent much time with him since moving. I moved from Atlanta to Tucson and my sister and her husband live like five minutes away. So we see each other all the time. And now watching this for some reason, Matthew McConaughey like really is reminding me of Michael. Maybe not even in how he looks, but just like, I don't know. Something is like his, like his, I don't know, his essence I feel the essence more with um, Oliver. Oliver. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So interesting. Um, okay. Sorry. Back Back to... I I, ha- I have his book, actually. I think I bought his book, too. I didn't read it, though. Mackay's? Yeah. I think I have it on the bookshelf here. Oh. I'm going to check while we let him talk for a second. The words on the page. I wrote this on day four, right in the book. The words on the... May the words on these pages be worthy of sharing if it was signed by Anonymous... And at the same time, be a book that only McConaughey could have written. That was my sort of North Star. Now, then I, 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 I get it together. I write it in about a year and a half. I edit it together. Now I go to declare. Let's go share it. Well, damn, man, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to get sunk by COVID or it came out right before the elections, if it's never going to see the light of day. And damn, it comes out. And I, my hunch was, man, I think people are going to want to see some, get some good news in the time of a lot of bad news. And it seems to be that's a bit of the nerve that it hit. And here, 30 weeks later, I'm still talking about it and proud and honored to be because people are telling me, hey, I'm seeing my stories in your stories, McConaughey. I'm seeing myself in you because it's not a celebrity memoir. Am I a celebrity? Yeah. Are there some stories about my time in Hollywood? Sure. But it's not a damn sure not a celebrity memoir. I'm just happy that it's translating and um, people are seeing themselves in it. Yeah. Yeah. Ali, I, I don't want to. I don't. Wanna, I'm not going to commandeer the beginning of this, but but I no, would go just, go go. I, no, I I would just say that you know you growing up where you grew up and and being you know who you are from where you are, your reverence for your parents yeah. is what shines through this whole thing for me. And I I consider you know this this podcast is called Daddy Issues. I considered my dad my best friend. I consider my mom, both my mom and my dad. My dad was a guy who shaped everything that I am about. And the idea as a kid of letting him down is what kept me on the right path. And while your parents were very different than mine on a hour by hour basis, I think the lessons are, are very, very similar to the way I grew up and, and kind of this rite of passage. And I just got to the part this morning where your father has passed away. And it reminded me of the story when my dad passed away. And, and I, I'm going to share it with you for one second. And hold on. I have a question. So he, Joe just said like his dad shaped everything that he is and is about. And like the thought of letting him down is what kept him on the straight and narrow. 
how do, how do you see like do you relate to that in terms of mom and dad or no uh, maybe like five percent but I also think <laughs> for Joe in the end game it seems like it was super helpful like it pushed him pushed him pushed him to have the career, the life he does, I also think sometimes it can be super unhelpful for us, anyone to think about what does my parent want from me? So oftentimes I'll ask people like, if this is kind of a weird question, but if suddenly like your whole family was like, just poof, gone, mm-hmm. what would look different in your life? Oh, I think that's and a, good a lot question. of people say a lot of things would be different. Yeah, because they're which means they're not doing things for just themselves. for their own life. They're doing things for for the people in the their life. The approval, the right. the accolade from their parents, their huh. whomevers. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. So you don't feel like what you've done in your life has been for m- mom or dad. I mean, our mom is no, no longer here, but not mom at all. Um, dad, no, but maybe I'd be more of like a fuck up if it wasn't for dad (laughs) or like, like maybe, you know, I'd just be like, well, you know, I don't know. Actually, no, I just don't tell him anything anymore. (laughs) So So, yeah, I do. It's so funny because that's uh, something the other day about that. Like he, I was on the phone with dad and he was, he heard and he's like, you just, you probably don't need to tell your dad. Like, I don't know what I said. I said something that was not a big deal, but that it, 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 it inspired dad to lecture me. Right. You give him too, too much. much ammo by telling him Which isn't, things. Uh, like you're saying anything wrong. It's no. Just, I know when to, I just don't really tell dad that much. I mean, yeah. I already know when I tell him, hey, we're going out of the country yeah. next, in a couple months. He'll be excited for you, mm-hmm. I think. No? Oh, no, no, no. COVID lecture's coming. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Which that's fine. I can wow. handle that. But also, yeah, I just... I give small snippets, if anything, of the thing, the major things. Right. Like highlight reel of your life. Yeah. That's, but I mean, and so I try to keep things talking about, I try to keep it to work with dad because our dad was a um, television commercial producer. And so now I'm a podcast producer. So I keep it to work. He likes it. It's interesting. There's very few opportunities for him to lecture me. But like even things where I don't think, like I told you the other day, I text him like, oh, I joined a gym. I've been going to the gym. I've like, you know, gained a little weight since I've been here because we all hang out and eat a lot and it's wonderful and I love it, but I need to, you know, do some more exercise. And it spurred like a 20 minute lecture on like, well, it's really what you're eating. You need to be eating this and this and this and this and this for so long, which it's like, that, it's like things I don't even think he's going to lecture me about, he lectures me on. And I do think it comes from a place of love and also control. There you go. I was going to say liking to hear himself talk, but control. Well, same thing. Yeah. And also maybe through the years, you've not been good at saying, hey, I don't need your opinion. You know, there is yeah. like, it's just the dynamic there. Yeah. You hold it close because it sounds Sorry. good. No, that's okay. It sounds good. It just sounds more clear when you hold it up close. Um yeah, that is the dynamic. That's true. It's challenging to be a podcaster and be someone that wants to talk with, with your <laughs> hands all the time. It's true. Actually, I have um, a mic stand that I could give you that you just sit it right here and you don't have to hold it. Okay, let's see that. Okay, I'm going to press play and let Matthew McConaughey talk and go get you a mic stand. And so indulge me and we can cut this out. 
uh, of the podcast or whatever. But I, when my, my dad was sick for seven months and I went to visit him every day in the hospital and I knew he was going to die. I said my goodbyes on a, I think he died on a Wednesday or on a Tuesday. I said my goodbyes the night before because I knew the next day they were taking all the tubes out and he was going to pass away. And I said what I wanted to say. And I, I thought to myself, this is not a Hollywood movie. I don't need to be there when he passes away. And I went down and I did a Cardinal baseball game. And I told the guy that I was working with, my dad's going to die tonight. And he couldn't even talk. And, and I did the game. And as I'm driving back home, I pass the hospital and I say, God, he still hasn't passed away. They pull all this shit out of him at nine o'clock in the morning. It's 1030 at night. He's still hanging on. Everybody said their goodbyes. He's still alive. I haven't gotten the call. And I pull off and I go into his in his hospital room. He's been why he'd been watching the game that I was doing. I whispered in his ear. The nurses got out. The, the machines were all gone. And I said to him, Dad, I got this. It's time for you to go. I'll take care of mom. I'll take care of Julie, my sister. It's okay. I got you. And by the time I got back to my car, which took two and a half minutes, he was dead. Huh. And and I I believe if he was waiting for me to say goodbye. But that the way you describe that. It, it got me this morning as I'm reading it. I'm, I'm tearing, even thinking of it now, <clears throat> what it was like when you went down. It was it was like a ton of bricks hitting you. And, and it was that rite of passage where where the protection that you had of this larger than life father yeah. was now gone. And, and if you could, because this this podcast is called mm-hmm. Daddy Issues, if you could, please. For people who haven't the book, crying. just give a thumbnail. Say, his emotions are coming out. Beautiful, yeah. intricate, yeah. wonderful, loving, rough Aww. man. But has he had a parent's but eye? Not loved. that he shouldn't and, and, get he, emotional. He just... No, he hasn't. Uh, his biological dad, uh, Bill Hudson, is still alive and Goldie and Kurt are still alive. So, yeah. No, but he is. I will say that that actually both of them are pretty emotional people. Like they've cried both. Not Joe as much. Oliver's cried on this podcast multiple times. And Joe has not, I don't think, but that's because what gets him crying is um is like heartfelt TV commercials. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's see what Matthew has to say about his dad. Just talk about him for a second and what, what that was like when, when you didn't have him. Yeah. So, you know, he was start off at the beginning of your question, you said you didn't want to let your dad down. You know, so many times we hear people today going, oh, don't, you know, fear's not a good, fear's not a good thing. Or, 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 well, the fear of letting your dad down helped you do a lot of things and stay in your lane and, and do things well. I had, a, I had a fear of that too, and it was a healthy fear. Um, you know, I tell a story in there where I came home and I, I, I'd stolen a pizza and I, I got home and he's on the phone with the dad of the guy I stole the pizza with. And as any kiddos out there, are, <laughs> what, what, what I got to remind you is if you ever do do something wrong and you kid home at night and your, your, your dad says, hey, if you ever steal a pizza and you get home and your dad goes, did you pay for that pizza tonight? It means he knows you didn't. All right. So just tell them the truth. <laughs> All right. But I, I, I lied. I tried to weasel out of it. He gave me four yeah. chances to tell him the truth. And I lied. And on the fourth time I lied to him, backhanded me. I crumpled and went to the corner. Not by the force of his backhand, but because I was standing on some coward ass lactic acid field legs 
because I was being <laughs> such a weasel. Now, do I remember any of the pain from that backhand? No. What I remember is when I hit the corner, I looked at him and he had this, his jaw was dropped. He was like, and it was a face of a father going, damn it, I'm failing. If my son cannot tell me the damn truth about stealing the damn pizza, that's the pain I remember. And I let him down. Um, so we, dad, I didn't ever think he could die. I thought he was the abominable snowman. I didn't think anything could get him. I didn't, I didn't think anything. I thought that guy could have swam naked through a canal in Amsterdam <laughs> and come out without a cold, you know? And he, um, uh, he was a big man. He was 6'3", 260. And towards the, you know, the, the, the end, what turned out to be the end of his life, he did. I do remember him kind of. I saw him for the first time about a month before he passed away. I saw him asleep for the first time in my life. It was 8.30 on a Saturday morning. I passed by the bedroom door and I saw him still asleep. I was like, I've never seen my dad asleep. In our really? House, <laughs> sleep was sin in our house. It was like, this daybreak, you're up. It doesn't matter. You be up. And I saw him asleep. And I remember going to my brother's going, is dad okay? And I remember him saying this word, boys, oh, I'm feeling kind of peakish. That was his word, peakish. Mm -hmm. He had gotten down to like 240. And my mom always wanted him to lose weight, right? He liked it at 265, man, where he was just like thick. And he got down to 240. <laughs> He's like, boy, I'm feeling kind of peakish at 240. Well, I got the call from my mom at 630 on the evening of the day that he died that morning at 630. And... So the, on the fun love inside of my dad, the way my dad died was making love to my mother. And as soon as he <laughs> he had a heart attack. Now check this out, man. For 20 years or more, he would tell me and my brothers, boys, when I go, I'm going to be making love to your mother. Oh my God. All this freaking shot, right? Now this is also a guy who... <laughs> I'm sorry, but how full circle is that? Because... The podcast started with Joe saying you wrote your own reality. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Like Oliver like expected this to happen and then it happened. And that's like very, uh, that's very. Synchronistic. Yes. Synchronicity. That's right. It's Joe's favorite. 62 years young, but was smoking two packs of camels a day. And he went off to Baylor Med to get dye run through his veins to see if his aortas and everything were blocked or not. And he'd come home from the from the doctor and light him up another cigarette. And we'd be like, Pop, are you sure you could be, be smoking? He goes, oh, hell yeah, boys. Doctor says I got the heart of a 22-year-old high hurdler. <laughs> so he passes away. Me and my brothers rush down, bum rush the doctor to go in there and go, what the hell? You said our dad could could smoke, and he said he said he had a, a heart of a twenty year old. I heard that he goes, "What?" He goes, "No, look at these showed X rays." He goes, "Look, he was blocked. I told him he can't smoke anymore." I've been was he still smoking? So he just fibbed to us, man. And oh my god! Like, Dad, remember when I lied to you about the pizza? <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it was his right, you know. I mean, and so you know, the same hands that could hurt were the same hands that could heal. You read the story in there about the cockatiel that he brought back to life. That's that's, that's crazy. Uh, you know, so in my, my mom's migraines, didn't matter if she took a, a, a aspirin or a Vicodin, nothing worked besides my dad's hands on her head. Um, it's like he had healing hands. And boy, people would, everyone, he loved to give hugs. And everyone would walk away taller, 
bigger, more full, and they love to hug from. They call him Pop. I, call him Pop. I was about to. I was about to ask that. Was he an affectionate man? You yeah. know, was he full of love and showed affection and showed his love physically? Absolutely. He was a big hugger dancer. I mean, him and my mom would go dancing. And you know what their uh, their uh, their uh, uh, their stroke of midnight was or the time to go home? You know what it was? It wasn't a clock. It wasn't a time. It was when mom had because she danced without her shoes. When she had danced enough that her hose on the bottom of her feet got a big enough hole that they came over her feet and up around her ankles. <laughs> <laughs> Does he tell these stories on on Dax? Because I sure never about, listened to that episode. I'm not sure about this one, but he tells one, a difficult one about, I believe it's on Dax Shepard or um, Armchair Expert, about him and his mom and him and maybe a sibling that get in a fight. And then something about a ketchup bottle. Yeah, really sticks that, out. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, he tells that one. But like the way he talks about his dad is so great. I really... It sounds like his dad was great. It sounds like his dad was great. And honestly, I... It reminds me of how, like, Michael talks about Gary a little bit. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't... Yeah? Oh, Gary's uh, different, but yes, Gary is... In a different way, but in a very, like, he's amazing... Michael has never spoken an ill word about his father. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Because there isn't one. Right. At least in what I've known in 14 years, there isn't one. Yeah. And that's how, and I unfortunately never met Mark's dad, but you did, oh. right? And the way that he talks about his dad, remind what what McConaughey was just saying about like how, how like just loving and forgiving and just like this, like just kind, kind human. That is how Mark talks about his dad to me. And I never, unfortunately, um, Mark is who I'm dating and, and, and it's Jenna's husband's best friend. Um, and so they've all known each other, but I never got to meet Mark's dad. He passed away last year, um, kind of right around when we started dating. So I never had the pleasure of meeting him, but you did. He was he was super gentle and also a real stickler. Like he could hang out with Mark and you've met Mark and Michael. Yeah. And he could like poke at people and it was funny and lighthearted <laughs> and silly. And I remember once we were moving all Mark's crap from like these U or uh, not U-Haul storage units. Mm -hmm. And uh, his dad had like a brace around his, you know, his dad was older. It was like probably four years ago, three years ago mm -hmm. into the house he lives in now. Mm -hmm. And Michael and I show up and Mark and his daddy shows up <laughs> and here we are like pulling and moving. And, and at one point myself and Mark senior, we just sat back in a couch that was in the middle of the like storage unit road and we're all whatever. Cause they were all yelling at each other. Do this. No, do that. Kind of like that friends. I watched it the other night. It's all pivot. pivot. Yeah. And me and Mark senior, Mark senior and I were all, okay, we're just going to sit here. And let him, you know, it was cool. Yeah. yeah. He sounds, it makes me, it's like, it's really nice to hear. I wish so much I could have met him, but it's nice to hear those stories, and I always find it very um, sweet how how Michael talks about his dad, talks about Gary. Yeah, Gary's a... I mean, from what I know about Gary, which is, you know, several Christmases and stuff together, he's just so wonderful. I t actually, we were talking about him the other day, and I told Mark, 
I, whenever I see Gary, it doesn't matter if it's been a year, six months, five years. He says, hey, baby. He, he gives me a hug yeah, and hey, says, baby. yep. And I instantly feel like I am just with, I'm just like loved. Yep. I'm just with people who care about me. And, and I mean, we're, I guess, essentially family through family, but not really. And I don't spend that much time with them. And I still always there, I feel you like go there to their house and you feel like family and you feel like accepted and like, I don't know, it's so nice. Well, Gary Sr. was even apparently, who I never met, Gary's father. So Michael's grandfather, Gary Sr. was even more Gary than Gary. Wow. Wow. So interesting. Okay, so we were going to finish some of the dads. He was talking about his dad, and he does have so many great stories about his dad. Honestly, this whole episode, if you have not heard it, I definitely encourage people to go listen to it. Um, But for the sake of just time for Josh, because this does have to be published tonight, and I have to make the socials and do all that stuff still this evening. Um, So for the sake of time, we're going to skip a bit ahead. And I believe this is where... Matthew gets into a bit of the political stuff, which I just wasn't expecting and found like, look, I honestly don't know if he like ended up running for governor or not. And I am not a political person. I guess that's a terrible thing to say nowadays, but um, I don't don't follow politics so much. I know what I believe in and that's it. Um, but I found myself like listening to him and being like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Like if I was voting in Texas, I might vote for you, which I don't love the whole idea. Oh, oh, Jenna just looked it up and says he won't run for Texas governor in 2022. Okay. So I guess maybe he didn't, but I know he was considering it and that, and so this is, um, I, th- I think this is what he gets into here. So we're going to listen to a little bit of this right now. I got a hangover tomorrow. Um, yeah. Value of delayed gratification, I think, is just something we got to we got to start as as people. We got to start giving ourselves more damn credit, and uh, and, and and be braver. Uh, we're, we're all cur- we're all courageous and we're all cowards, but damn, uh, uh, um, the, the, our our cowardly side sometimes. Uh, uh, the, we listen to the whispers of our cowardly side more than we listen to the screams of our courageous side too often. Yeah. Oh, so oh oh God. 100%. I don't know how you come up with this shit. I just, it pisses me <laughs> off because I, I sit around here and I'm thinking about a ball one strike two and you're like coming up with these like Play-Doh somewhere is in the ethernet or is in the, is in the ether going, this guy's uh, unreal. I, I don't. So are you talking about, I, I'm not making you, I'm not interested in committing anybody to anything, but are you talking about public life? Are you talking about wanting yeah. to run for something? Is there validity to the whole governor issue and if there is is there room for altruistic thought look Matthew Miata is taking notes too just like you <laughs> yep in today's political world or, or, or is that is that great question to get chewed up and spit out by the nastiness right this right. out there like you're gonna you're 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 if you do it you are playing to the best of everybody and these days, it seems like that whole yeah. arena is focusing on the worst yep. of everybody. And, yep. and you know, is, is that is that pretty fair? I think it's real fair. I, I would say, 
you know, yeah, I really listen to what you're saying instead of bullshit, uh, like little sound bites to get played on the nightly news. You have to really buy in. And I don't know that people are, uh, I want to give them credit. But I don't know that there's enough intelligence out there to go, yeah, that makes sense. I need to believe more in myself and, and the collective group will be better. Like that, that, that seems really great, but God, that's asking a lot of people that don't seem to want to give it. Yep. And, and a lot of people intellectually come out and say, yes, I agree. But when we go back on our own, we don't follow up. We jump right back to the cowardly side. And so, you know, we're so afraid, we're so afraid to make the voluntary obligations with ourselves of character, being a good man, a good woman, a good person, a good parent, a good husband, a good friend. We're so afraid to just put ourselves on 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 the line, and we're short. We're we're we don't realize we're taking we're taking the short end of the stick because it actually causes more pain, stress, and hardship in the future when we don't act in our most true or best selves. We love the short-term game. Now politics. I'm on on it seriously considering that embassy or that category, and I agree with you. Jeez, oh man. Why don't you want to do that? You go in with your handcuffs on, you're dealing with a bunch of liars and backstabbers. That's the nature of it. Everyone expects it. And if you fix something, you get out, they just rip the band-aids off when you're gone. Who the hell would want to be in the middle of that? At the same time, I go, politics needs some needs to repurpose. Politics is is a category that needs to rebrand. America is, I think. <laughs> The, the the product, the entity that needs more rebranding than anything right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but that comes down to each individual American needs to uh, needs to get on with the rebrand. We need the. I think we all need rehab right now, especially from 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 this short term ugliness of as you said. Let's look at the down. Let's look at the disease before we look at the health. Let's. It's just easier. Let's rubberneck and feel like we win, not because we made the shot, but let's feel like we win because ha ha ha, they missed the shot. Right. And I'm like, oh, you really? I don't get that. What does well, he mean? What at first I thought he meant is let's look at the negative before we look at the positive. Oh. And then he brought in the rubberneck, and I'm not sure. Like, he, let's uh, kind of cherry pick what's dog shit about our lives, our nation, our whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this is what he means, but uh-huh. that's how I took it. So, like, instead of looking at the good or the progress or the areas we could shift and change for the good and progress. I don't yeah. Know. Okay, that makes sense to me. I guess that's true. Yeah, I didn't, I like, all the things he was saying sounded good, but I wasn't quite sure I understood what they were meaning. <laughs> he may not either. That's true. <laughs> Fair point. We're, 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 we're suckering ourselves into thinking that that's actually where we gain satisfaction and self-confidence and self-respect. Bullshit. You know, we, we're so, we love rooting. We, we get that momentary feeling of I'm a winner because you lost. Not because I made the shot, but because you missed it. That's a, that's a, that's our default go-to. Um, we, 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 uh, uh, we have this in politics. There seems to be this sort of exclusionary idea that, well, the left has a license and a trademark on intellectualism. And the right has a trademark on work ethic. Well, the left has a trademark on science. And the right has 
a trademark on faith. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> you know, and then right now we're in a place where we're like, well, no, the far right thinks the left are socialists and the, the, the left, far left thinks the right are racist. All that's bullshit. And mm -hmm. I actually think this, Joe, is when I say we have the wool pulled over our eyes a little bit, come into the middle. We got the numbers. But who's, oh, got, yeah. who's got the megaphone right now? Right. But, and follow the money. Follow the money. The extreme money. right and extreme left, which is about 16% of the, the, the nation, have the megaphone. And they got the megaphone because that's what we want to hear more. We want to hear the drama. We want to hear the bullshit. We want to hear the exaggeration. We want to hear the 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 the, the fiction and believe it's and believe it's nonfiction. And most of us, more I think, more sensibly, are sitting in the middle, going, "This is this is happening." And now I'm starting to believe that maybe that's who we are too. And I think we're drinking the Kool Aid. We got to get off the Kool Aid. Yeah. That's what I mean by by by, by rehab. America needs to rehab. We got to. We and, and, and I think it starts with this first. Let's agree on some facts, F-A-C-T-S's. We cannot agree on what the hell a fact is right now. We cannot agree on what that's is true. actual. We argue about what's, <laughs> what's actual. But that's almost systemic now. How do we rehab that? Like, how do we, how many rehabs do we have to go to? And then, <laughs> you know, how, how, do we, how do we get to that point? Well, facts are real. Well, hopefully, yeah. we've got you know. Uh, there, there's an age. We've got the opportunity for an age of of, of enlightenment. I mean, we got uh, coming up. It's. I hear you. How do we do that? How do we do that? I don't think that you do it through a policy. I don't think you do mm -hmm. it through. Again, I just think two things. I got two thoughts on this. I think if you you're gonna have to you're gonna have to prove. We're gonna have to prove that. Acting this more true way, acting, uh, be, being more fair to others and ourselves and being more courageous. we got to prove that that can fill your bank account. Because if you don't make no money, I think we're too far gone on that. If it doesn't fill a capitalistic need, yep. <laughs> then I don't think people are going to do it. People are going, yeah, yep. it's great. I'm, I'm going to give to charity. <laughs> what I'm talking about is I need to raise my number on the line. we got to prove that it can make money. And I believe it can. But we have to understand that it's long-term money. But what is it? He is getting a little bit like... Ugh. Out there, yeah, I can even watch Joe. He's all like, we have to prove that what is going to make money? Our new collective political mindset for the whole country. What I thought he was saying is like, essentially, we need to get back to a blank slate, not a blank slate, but whatever's equivalent to a blank slate, to then be able to look at what the true facts are and not generalize that all the Republicans have the money and the wealth and want this and all right. the Democrats yeah, are that this and that. Sense. That made sense. Not, not so black and white, right. like, like hard and fast lines between people because more people, you know, are... Flow are, somewhere uh, in the middle. Right. So that makes sense to me. But then when he's saying like we... Oliver said, what is? how do we go to rehab? And he's saying like, well, I, you know, we need to get... It needs to make money. Well, what it? What's it? You're losing me, Matthew. You're losing me. He's lost me. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see what he has to say a little bit more. <laughs> and we also have to, I think, have have maybe more people come out that, that didn't prescribe this way of thinking, that did make the most money or did get the most fame and go and tell us, guys, girls, don't, don't, it, it doesn't, Growls. in the end, I'm barren. In the end, I, I lied, cheated, and stole my way to get here. And, uh, um... I'm now sitting here lost 
and Longley Fort. So to just reprior to reprioritize our values in, in, in some way, see that you still can win. The good guy still can win. The, the, the good woman still can win in the bank account and the souls account. Now, if we can match those two, that's that's mm. that's an understanding. I think, look, the frontier that we got to change is right That's now. very idealistic. I mean, well, also, he's not actually giving a clear path to what he's well, talking about. No, there's no, like, about. concrete. He's saying, be yourself, and that'll bring you money and wealth, spiritually and financially. False. And also... <laughs> well, maybe if you are, if you have a platform and you're a, a public person, sure, maybe be yourself and that will bring you wealth in your soul and wealth in your bank account. But for you and me, uh, I like his message. I, I think it's too. a way to live. It's a great way to live. Understand. I'm not sure that's a great political plan, though. Which might be why he didn't end up running. <laughs> that's true. I do feel I I can't remember. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna we're just gonna keep watching a little bit because I do feel like at some point he said stuff where I was like, oh yeah, this makes this makes a lot of sense. And so far, I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing more of like, uh, like kind of just like lofty General, ideas. Lofty. That's such a good word, yeah. lofty. Yeah, which are great ideas. I like it. Also, not realistic. Realistic ideas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Climate change. When you change how this works, <clears throat> you change all these other problems that we see in the world. When you change the individual, how they think in their mind, that's what we got to rewire. Um, but we got to prove, though. I think that it can pay them back. They got to see. Okay, how do I make a living like this now? Um, there's, I've got different ideas on how, how to do that, but it's going to take a lot of people going to take, making some sacrifice. We don't give near enough value to sacrifice, which is what we got to start off doing if we're going to have any kind of rehab, which I think we all agree we could rehab. Yeah, because yeah. I, I'm with you. The, the, the loudest people are getting all the attention. They're on the fringes on either side. And the middle is where anybody I hang with is in the middle on, on everything. They're, they're left, right, middle, dead middle. But, but there's more eye rolling going on now by the people in the middle of what's happening being reported, quote unquote, from the far side, either side, than there ever has been. Kennedy was talking about what you were talking about in the 60s. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That's exactly what you're talking about. But it seems like, you know, patriotic ideas or the will to make the country great is like somehow a bad thing in the public narrative. And I, I just don't know how it got here because you and I, Matt, Matthew, you and I are basically the same age. Matt. We remember a time when th there were bitter rivals on Capitol Hill who were arguing uh, in, the, there still? in the chambers uh, and, and screaming. Yeah, and that night, they're at uh, a fundraiser, sitting in the same row, laughing their asses off. I also think that they seem like lovely people, and they are in a space in their lives where one area of their life is taken care of. They are financially set. Right. So that gives them the time, space, energy. I'm not saying... They're not doing a ton of shit. But once my finances are taken care of, I have a bit more time, space, and energy to think about other things and how – True. It, like if I struggle to pay my rent – Which I do. The rest of these 
higher up things of like, well, yeah, how can I contribute to my community and thus my political leaning and all oh, of this? Well, it has no place. Right. So I think it's great. And also, a lot of people are just struggling to pay their bills and they don't even have the time, bandwidth, energy to think about anything else but taking care of their family. Their yeah. kids themselves right. forget about a family. Right. Pay their bills. Right. They're, they're animals. Not, they're not thinking about rewiring their their going their to rehab for you know patriotic or political reasons. And I hope so many people <sighs> that do have the financials figured out. I really like it because right. they can make a difference. And also, it's not realistic. I, for I don't every have person. all that luxury. Yeah. yeah, no. I think that very few people. Nobody. It's interesting because Joe was saying that most of the people he knows are in the middle, and I know that's a different statement, but like. Most of the people that I know are not in a position to to be thinking about how can I better contribute to my community or country. You're thinking about how can I survive. Take care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I flashed forward a little bit. I don't know where this is, but I feel like it's close to the end. So we're going to start here. Um, and just for time's sake, because it's already 5.15. Um, and they say a lot of great political things, but I do remember them laughing a lot at the end of the episode. So I'd love to see that. And then I want to bring it full circle to close this with how Joe and Oliver started. And I think how they end is really, really sweet. So let's, I don't know where we are exactly, but let's see. This has been really fun for me, Matthew. I know we've known each other and we, we were on, you know, my sister's podcast, but this has been uh, just great better. to talk been to better. you. It's way better. Oh, just way better. I don't know, man. I, I just, <laughs> well, I, there's not, there's not many more authentic people than you. And, you know, that's what I try to be in my life. And again, I said, I'm going through some shit and it's, it's just uh, encouraging <laughs> to sort of hear you speak and, and tell your stories. And uh, let me throw and, this at you, Oliver. You. Let me throw this at you because this one I, I forget, but I, when I think about it, I'm always like, oh, God, I remember that one. And I talk about it a little bit in the book about when we're trying to figure out who the hell we are or, or what, you know, what we want to do. Mm-hmm. That's hard, man. That's massive. It's hard to see the top of that freaking peak. Yeah. But a simpler thing to do is start looking in our life, and I'm doing this right now, and going, let me eliminate who I'm not. Let me start mm. getting rid of chafe. Let me, because I've got it going on in my life right now, as we all do. You look around, you go, man, I've got 24 little campfires built. And I got no big Valhalla blazes. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you've got to get rid of some of those little campfires and go, no, I got a few things in my life that I want to, I want to Valhalla blaze, man. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I want a bonfire. Yeah. A few blow. things in life we go, what uh, is going to bonfire? But we only got 24 hours in a day. So, if we start looking at what are those things that, you know what, I do do that. And that takes up this amount. It takes up quite a bit of my mind time. It takes a bit of, quite a bit of my real time. Hmm. And what do I really get back from that? It's kind of, it's not really essential to, it doesn't really pay me back. I'm not, it's a feel like, to, you know, get rid of the little one-offs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Start getting rid of the little one-offs and it creates a little more time to deal with the, the, the fires you want to start blazing that are really important to you. And then the other fun little asterisk, which is out there, which we got to remind ourselves is when we don't know what the hell we want to do, something's going to happen. Yeah. 
Something yeah. will happen. We'll create it or the world will throw it on us. Purpose will be thrown <laughs> in our lap and we'll be like, ta-da, it's clear. That's right. Non-negotiable. Yeah. I got to deal with this. Yeah. And it always does. It always yeah. seems to work out that way too. It's strange. It's interesting. Yeah. You know. I, I got Before he goes, I just want to say one thing that he doesn't remember. But back in 2011, we were at this golf oh, tournament together. This is so good. And my voice was messed up. I said, I was talking like this. I remember really it. And Matthew. It's my favorite says, story. What's wrong with your voice there, buckaroo? And I said, uh, well, I went in for a uh, hair transplant surgery and the uh, thing down my throat sat on my nerve and mm. it paralyzed my left vocal cord. And now, you know, now I said, now I'm sound like this. And, um, but, you know, they say it's, it's probably going to get better. And Matthew takes a beat and he says, <laughs> so what you're saying, buckaroo, is you fixed your video, but fucked up your audio. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I am about to have a nervous breakdown, and Matthew McConaughey, in one sentence, just summed up where I stand in life right now, with my whole career flashing before my eyes. Oh, and so I, good! It's like you internally. I was like, you motherfucker. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> Mr. Runner-Up, 1977. Runner-Up! <laughs> your life is built on a lie. Your life is built on a lie. God, I oh, Malaprop, Malaprop can take us very far sometimes. That's so great. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I've told that story uh, 1,001 times now because it's just uh, so it, brilliant. It's so, it's, it's a great, it's one of the best, one of the great stories. <laughs> Thanks, man. Hey man, always good to see you. Uh, good to see yeah. you, Buckaroo. Great see you, to see you, man. And I'll um, how do I get you? How do I get you my real email? It's all right. I, it's better if I just sit out here and wish, wish for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> all right, oh, love it. Man. man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank all you, right. Matthew. Appreciate, Appreciate it, brother. All right, right now. Vote. All right. Bye. Do they keep going? For a minute. One of the all-time great I lines I've ever been told. Come this is on, good, man. He he he's like my spirit guide. I I just you know <laughs> he's he's cool. He's cool. He he's just been so many different iterations of himself. Yeah, not trying, not trying to be. He's just evolving constantly, sort of moving and evolving. And, and he doesn't give a fuck. He's just this is me, and this and 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 take it or leave it. Uh, he's got that feeling to him, you know. Uh, no, I know. It, it, I, I used to stay in a hotel. Yes, it was a ritzy hotel on the uh, <laughs> whatever you guys call it in LA. I guess the West Side. Uh, by it's in Santa Monica, and they would put in each room uh, the Alchemist, the book, the Alchemist, <laughs> yeah. which you can read. Love that book. An hour. Yeah. It's a great book. Yeah, his book it. should go in these. Forget the Alchemist. <laughs> Green lights should forget, go in. Forget Gideon's Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Throw in. McConaughey's book. <laughs> Green light. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I'm so glad I saw it. We went to the bookstore yesterday for the boys. Something to do. A, B, we need a refresh on their books. They're, they're just tired of them. And that there it is sitting at the cash register. It's like one or two on the bestseller list for good reason. And I, I started ripping through it last night. It's great. He, he is a gen, that is just genuinely him. And, and I think mm -hmm. if, if he is going to run for public office, you know, I, maybe that stuff will rub people the wrong way, but it's not. I, I would imagine it would be uh, comforting to know that you don't have to put on an air yeah. 
to I'm try. glad you asked that. I'm glad you went there. I was like, I wanted to, but I was a little nervous to. I'm glad you did. Yeah, I told them not to softball it, but I, but the yeah. I, I just, yeah, he's not going to have to play it. a part. That's just him. And, and if, if it gets him enough votes to get elected somewhere, it'll get him enough votes, but he's not playing a role for that. That's actually him. Oh yeah. Look, dude. I mean, he definitely doesn't have to do this. You know what I mean? Like, in what world would one even want to do this unless you have real passion and desire to at least try to make some sort of change? Right. You know, this isn't for status. This isn't for celebrity or fame or or, or at least that's my perspective. I don't think yeah, it is. He's already got all that. He's got all that. This is just, you know, hey, fuck it. Let, let, let's try on this. Let's try on this suit for a second. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. and that's the thing. That's the one thing I will he doesn't say. Pull on, try it on. Trump, <laughs> Biden, <laughs> like Obama, test it out and gives it back. Bush, Bush, Clinton, all those people. You can love them. You can hate them. You can agree with them. You can disagree with them. But on one level, they've done a hell of a lot more than I have sitting in my <laughs> office in St. Louis. And, and maybe for the wrong reasons, maybe. But they put up with a gigantic life change to, in their mind, right or wrong, serve their mm-hmm. country for that's whatever right. reason. So I, that's what it would be with Matthew. Like, you really want to open up that bubble of, you know, <laughs> you know, in the beginning, he talks about having taken peyote. Like, or is that going to turn people off? Is he going to? Yeah, okay. But, but I feel like because it it's shouldn't. all here, there. There's no mystery to the guy, and and mm-hmm. he's really open and and upfront. And I think his his desire is just to do something good for the world and good for the country yeah. that I know he loves. Yeah, yeah, totally. And getting back to the daddy issue stuff, like you know, he's just what a great dad. You know, he's obviously we didn't get to ask him that final question, you know, about what he's sort of oh, taken yeah. from his mm. father, but that's okay. You know, he seems to have pulled all the great shit out of who his father was and, and implements that and puts that into the way that he does things, you know? Um, and it's interesting to hear him talk about, you know, ha- watching the sort of violence and then having it come together sort of in, in love. Uh, and, and that's the part that he took, the coming together in a sense. And love takes on all different kinds of, you know, iterations, I guess. And, I don't know, man. He's he's just a really interesting cat. <laughs> I really dig yeah. him. Yeah. I can't imagine the time that your sister has spent on set. I can't imagine the one minute of acting compared to you, your sister, anybody has done working across from that dude. Because <laughs> I feel yeah. like if he's looking at a script, his mind with the way he shapes things and kind of philosophizes mm-hmm. about everything, he's got to be like, really? I'm going to read, you know, uh, uh, damn the tor- damn the torpedoes, uh, whatever <laughs> for the U-boat movie or something <laughs> in Bulls Gold or How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. You know, it, to him, yeah, but but see, but but that's so great. Like he had that part of his life and his career, you know, and then made the decision to then move into a different direction. You know, there's a, there's a story. I think they want him to do some sort of a superhero character where he's going to make a bajillion dollars. <laughs> and he basically said, you know what? Fuck this. And then when did movie like Mud, you know, and then mm. and then his career took on on a whole Dallas uh, a Buyers whole Club you know, uh, position. And he did True you know, Dallas Buyers Club. And, and, and then he just moved into a different section of his life, you know, but he made that choice. 
anyway, I could go on. What a good dude. That was I great. Did, that I was just really want to get off this podcast yes. with, you know, the way we got on with, you know. Well, I'm we, glad we, that I, I'm glad I, that I, I'm glad that I called back. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm doing uh, it by myself. <laughs> Fuck I you. was stewing. I know. I was fucking stewing and I was like, I can't, I can't fucking just not be on the, okay, fuck, fuck it. Here. God damn it. I reached back out in. back to you. I said, come on, let's go. I just don't, I don't like that. I'm sorry I was frustrated. I'm and sorry I, I blew know. up. I just, I'm a sensitive, I'm in a fucking sensitive place right now. <laughs> That's why I, I don't know. I, 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 you know, whatever. Jesus, I apologize. I, just, I apologize I, to you. I anticipated two it. men apologizing to one another. <laughs> You built it up Sorry. before I even did it. hundred percent. Oh, dude. I was flick, clicking the thing. Like, okay, here we go. What the fuck is Joe going to say now? And then, have boom, I, had I, hey, man, how you doing? Yeah. Had I said oh. anything like, hey, hope you're having a great day. Uh, you know, we were, I, I've been on for the last 15 minutes. You would have still ripped my head off. Well, I was my my I was planning mm-hmm. on being like, hey, sorry, you guys, I was got caught up in these things. I'm, that that was the plan, and then it was like, click, mm-hmm. hey, fuckwad, what the, <laughs> I'm like, god damn it. <laughs> Look, uh, I my head is a pincushion right now. I can't wait to take this hat off. Oh, he just got transplant hair transplants. fly. Let these follicles fly. Okay. Yeah, there goes my fucking door too. Yeah, but after the fact, yeah. we only had one dog bark. My kids are. Pulling each other's eyeballs out, and and we got McConaughey. Okay, that was great, great interview, dude. That was really fun. I loved it. Yes, and I love you. All right, I love you. Goodbye. All right, baby. Bye. Um, I, you guys were watching that whole thing on that whole thing. Oh yeah. Okay. Like at a certain point in there, you know, Joe says like, um, like how do I get your real email or something? You know, because he's a bunch of emails, and so I was like. Uh, in the chat, like Matthew, tell your manager to contact me, and I'll send your real email to Joe. And so, like afterwards, it was like, oh, send Joe his email and give him his cell phone number. Oh, here, here, Joe, here's his. It was very like very. Okay, but my sweet. question is, you and Josh were on there the whole time, just not on the camera. Totally, every interview, okay. every single one, and some of them we are on there, we pop in, Josh pops in to make sure they're wearing their headphones. When we interviewed John Stamos, um, Oliver like got up to pee, left his AirPods in while he was peeing so we can all hear him peeing. And he wasn't pooping. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> you know, and Josh was like helping John figure out his his better, how to make the audio better. And, um, but really every, it, yeah, every interview we're on, in the background watching just to make sure that it like goes well, which is pretty much like the coolest thing. It's really, and they're really good at it. So there's never, there's rarely time. I can only think of maybe like one or two interviews where like, you know, cause I'm saying that you can't see me, but I'm, I'm taking notes and monitoring like, how's it going? And, Usually, honestly, I could probably walk away from my computer and just leave it. And they and Joe and Oliver never have an issue. There's no problem. Like, everything is completely fine. I can only think of one or two where I was like, I can tell that this is, like, 
um, like the audio is not great. So they can barely hear the person or like some things make it uncomfortable. Um, but when they're interviewing people, like it's just, it's just smooth sailing for me and Josh generally when it's the two of them is when I'm like on point, like waiting for them to be like, Margot cut that or like, look that up. When they don't have a guess. Yeah. When it's just the two of them. Cause they'll talk about things and then they'll be like, well, I don't know. How many times was Phil Collins married Margot? How many times? You know what I mean? I don't know, but I know he has tantric sex. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Is that like a Phil Collins thing? Cause that's one of my favorite episodes in the air tonight. And it's because they talk about Phil Collins a lot. And Joe tells that story about that song, like, <laughs> and the whole time, me and Josh did a rewatch of this, the whole time, Joe is telling a story like, I have from a very reliable source that um, Phil Collins saw a man watch a man drown and didn't save him and blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, I ended up looking that up on that episode with Josh and like that ended up supposedly not being true. Now, is that, was it true? And then they buried it or I, I don't know. Have but- you ever seen the <clears throat> Friends episode where... Phil Collins' wife. What's her name? Well, there's been like eight of them, so I'm not sure. the main one. I don't know. Is on Friends and her her and Phil – she plays Phil Collins' wife Uh on Friends. And and she is in real life as well? Yes. Okay. And their child goes to the same school in New York as uh, Ross and – yeah, I guess Rape. No, Ross and Rachel's or Ross and his lesbian wife. Right. Yeah. And then they talk about the, yep. Oh, I need to watch that. That would be good to enter. That'd be a good fun clip to intercut with that. Um, Yeah, that was, uh, that we really raced through, even though this is, we are now at a recording time of one hour and 33 minutes, that it's still, we still like missed half of that interview. I feel like we didn't even talk that much this time. Well... Oh, it's Sting. Oh, Sting. Sorry, yeah. Sting. But Phil Collins is the guy on Friends with his wife. Uh, oh, yes. But yes, Sting. Sting. And it's so interesting because Sting played himself in Only Murders in the Building. Yeah, I stopped watching that. I know you did. I loved it. I loved it. I love Steve you, Martin. I, most people did. I'm the yeah, outlier. So good. So good. <gasps> you know what show I just watched? It's brand new. And I thought, this looks stupid. I was like four o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I put it on hoping I would just fall back asleep, but it was so funny. I didn't. It's on Hulu. It's a new show called Reboot. And it's Johnny Knoxville's in it, Paul Reiser, Mm. um, um, uh, Peel and Keenan, those people. Keenan and Peel? Yes. It's. Keenan from Keenan and Peel, mm-hmm. um, who's so funny. It's, I can't even, I'm not going to be able to explain it properly because it's not going to sound good, but it's a, it's like a sitcom from a long time ago. They, you know how they're rebooting all kinds of sitcoms now. So it's, it's a, a show it's about a them show, rebooting yes, a real. But making uh, it edgier and it's oh. really fucking funny. Oh, that guy, uh, Keenan. Peel, Keenan Peel, one of them. Not Jordan the- Peel. Right, right. But the bald guy that yep, was in him. um something with friends or college friends. Or- yes, 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 him. I love him. Yes. And he's so funny in it. Yeah, he's great. It's really, honestly, I'm like- I'm going to watch it right now. I thought it was not going to be good. It's 
really, really funny. I'm all bye, Josh. I'm going to go watch it. (laughs) All right, we're done. Thank you guys for listening um, and being so patient, waiting for Joe and Oliver to come back. They will be back really, really soon. We do have a couple guests booked. So just- We know when. We don't have an exact date, but- A couple months. No, no. We're looking at a couple weeks. Oh. Yeah, we're looking at a couple weeks. So- um, Bummer for me. (laughs) Well, that doesn't mean that you can't come on as a guest one time. You never know. Honestly, I thought about asking dad to zoom in today, but- Thought otherwise. I'll be sick. Yeah, I thought otherwise on that one. So, um, but they will be back. Well, we're working on our own little other things as well, you and me. Right, but daddy issues, what people are here for. Yeah, that's true. Well, we know you're not here for us, but we appreciate you listening. And don't unsubscribe. Joe and Oliver are coming back. They'll be back soon. And that's it. Good night and good luck. Good night and good luck. That's it. That's right. She's Jenna does a good job of shutting me up. Thank you all. Goodbye. Have a wonderful week. Bye. They can't see you. She's (laughs) waving goodbye. (laughs) Listen to Daddy Issues on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Daddy Issues is a production of Cavalry Audio and iHeartMedia, produced by Margot Carmichael. Sound engineering and editing by Josh Windish. Executive produced by Joe Bach, Oliver Hudson, Dana Brunetti, and Keegan Rosenberger.